and we were in Salt Lake City. I was with a couple of friends and they had talked about this incredible snow cone truck mm. that was in the Days Marketplace parking lot. And we're like, we've got to stop. And so we stopped and in line was David Archuleta. Mm. People were buzzing. Like it was just in the air. It was electric. Hey guys. Hello. Hey. (laughs) Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast, the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture and sometimes past American Idol winners. Not quite a winner. Way to rub a little salt in the wound. Oh yeah. No, he got second place. I Uh. forgot about that. I anyway, will never forget. <laughs> we're talking about David Archuleta. Yeah, sorry, Dave. Sorry to rub it in your face. Um, mm. David Cook won. And also, I voted for David Cook. I was thinking about Did that you? <gasps> this changes everything. I don't know yeah. about this, Katie. Yeah, I was never like a David Archuleta girly. Okay, that season of American Idol is literally the only season of American Idol I've ever watched from start to finish. I was rooting for David Archuleta with every fiber of my Mormon heart. And when he lost, I've never gotten over it. I've never been able to listen to a David Cook song. Not that they're been hard to avoid. (laughs) But I've just never been the same. I was crushed. Frantically turning off the radio when David (laughs) Cook comes on. Anyway, well, I'm Elisa, by the way. Yeah, and I'm Katie. And today we have our friend Matt with us. Hi, Matt. Hi. Tell us How's a little going? about yourself, Matt. Oh, what do you want to know? Oh, you know, what's your what relationship to Mormonism okay. and this topic and us? Sure. I met Elisa in our graduate program at BYU. And then I met Katie through Elisa, obviously. We once went to a Coldplay concert together. Or The Big, the big chill. chill. As our yes. mom called it. Yes. She's like, when are you going to go see The Big Chill? <laughs> um, I live in Salt Lake City now uh, with my husband. We've been married a couple of months almost. Mazel tov. For some yeah, time. Thank you. I was raised in the LDS church. I don't know what you all call it on this podcast. Call it whatever your heart. Yeah, we don't call it. Um, I was raised in the Mormon church, uh, served a mission. I was very, very, very obedient to a kind of obsessive degree for a long, long time. Came back from my mission, fell in love with my college roommate. That was kind of scandalous, but also nobody knew about it because I didn't want to get kicked out of BYU. I don't know. Those were some of the cracks in terms of... Okay, some of these things aren't adding up, like Mm -hmm. I am kissing a man, but I can still feel the spirit, um, Mm -hmm. or lead in the church and do all of these things. Like I was the elder scorn president at the time. At that point, I still was determined to marry a woman, honestly thought that I could get there for a long time and that that was the right thing to do. So dated women off and on for a number of years. When I moved to Wisconsin, that was ultimately when it was like, hey, this actually is not going to work. Started living openly as a gay man and then left the church in 2016. It was a little bit after the uh, policy about, you know, homosexuality being apostasy and kids not being able to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot going on. Like, it wasn't just that. 
like I remember explaining to a friend what was going on. It was actually a lot about women and the priesthood was coming out at that time. Mm-hmm. And then she also knew about the the policy just by being friends with a gay Mormon. So I was explaining this to her and she was just like, why are you still there? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I did not have a good enough answer to that. Not to mention constantly feeling like I had a target on my back all the mm. time and realized it was just not healthy for me mentally. I, I've been going on a long time. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just an It turns out when you start thinking about your relationship to Mormonism, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> so true. We're going to probably dig more into your past, man. Right. Inevitably, I feel like, in this conversation about David Archuleta. Spoiler alert, Matt has met David Archuleta in the flesh. That is the most important milestone of my story. (laughs) That is is the number one reason for you to be here today. Yes. Okay, so David Archuleta is relevant to Mormons and pop culture and has been for years. But particularly in the last month or so, he's been really present let's talk a little bit about the timeline of david archuleta his sort of public timeline yeah 2008 he's on american idol 18 year old david archuleta comes in second (laughs) probably because of your vote katie probably honestly probably yeah you were probably the deciding vote yet another example of democracy failing us (laughs) (laughs) here we go is that the same year you met him matt Yes, it was the summertime, the year he was on American Idol. Mm -hmm. Tell us where you met him. Okay, I had been at a wedding reception. Do we need to explain wedding receptions or have you already done that? (laughs) Even though I've listened to every episode of the podcast. I think that's all right. (laughs) Mormon weddings are weird. Anyway, we were in Salt Lake City. I was with a couple of friends and they had talked about this incredible snow cone truck. It was in the Days Marketplace parking lot. And we're like, we've got to stop. And so we stopped and in line was David Archuleta. Mm. People were buzzing. Like it was just (laughs) in the air. It was electric. He is still, so I have like seen and even met tons of celebrities in my day. And like, I have not taken (laughs) pictures or like, just in like passing, like, I mean, I I'm travel like, you've a lot. Met this tons is not of like, celebrities. Yeah. This is not like, oh, I'm always running into celebrities. But yeah. I once saw a very hungover Vince Vaughn in the Chicago airport, sure. Kanye in LAX, Rachel Maddow, a whole list of people. I feel like when you travel a lot, I, have a, I had a traveling job for 10 years. And when you're flying around all over the place, you end up seeing people. I was on a plane with Ted Danson and Mary Ooh. Steenburgen. <gasps> wow, power couple. Yes, power couple. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I have never taken a photo with a single one, never approached any of them except for David Archuleta. Mm. That is the power of this man. That's beautiful. Um, that was your Facebook profile picture for was. like the first four yes. years I knew you. It was you <laughs> and David Archuleta in this like dark parking lot in East Salt Lake. It's, it's a terrible photo. The technology just wasn't there. Iconic. Okay, so 2008, David Archuleta plays his second. Mad Dinger meets him in a parking lot. He also released Crush that year, which is, I think, his most popular single of all time. Yeah. Uh, before we started recording, we were singing it. And I know all the words, so... If you want to hear I. it later, anytime to oblige. you want to throw it out there, you feel free. 
Okay. A couple that's of years be, later. That's got to be bonus content when you all get a Patreon. And <laughs> there you go. Yes. Our subscribers will have a little treat. In 2012, he goes on a mission for the church, which is a pretty bold move when you're kind of like this rising star. Yeah. Public figure. And leaves it all late. behind for a mission. Yeah. And a little late. He was a little bit older to be going on yeah. a mission. It's interesting. Since his mission, he's been living a very Mormon life. We have a good friend who was in his ward in Nashville. He was, you know, a regular attender. He was dating women in the ward. He was making music. In some of the interviews he's done, he talks about wanting to make music that would help people feel the spirit, feel close to God. So that's kind of been his brand over the years. Mm -hmm. He's performed a lot for the church so he I feel like that's the only place I've seen him is just like Christmas performances with Motab and stuff like that and he talks about feeling like a kind of poster boy for the church you know he's this faithful but also super talented and publicly recognized figure yeah and the church eats that up man they love that well, yeah and I he's loved, the Tom Cruise I love Ooh. yeah Yes, that's that is chilly. Do you think so? Do you think he's the <laughs> most famous? I don't. I mean, we got Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's our Tom Cruise. Yeah, but he's not like a. We don't know anything about Mitt Romney, really. I, I feel like David Archuleta is like a. I mean, we could go into it. Do we want to go into how like people think Tom Cruise is gay and that sure, he's sure, like sure. under the thumb of Scientology and that mm -hmm. they've got all this shit on him that they'll Damn, reveal Katie, you if there. he ever turns. Yeah, you know, I always wow. do. You went there. Anyway, I go did on. love how the GMA interview took place on Temple Square, but they were like, it's clear why the Mormon church wanted to keep him. And mm -hmm. it's like people flocking to him on yes. Temple Square. Yeah. yeah. So he's beloved. He's beloved by Mormons. Matt Dinger, who doesn't give a shit about seeing a celebrity in an airport, nope. went up to him to get a picture. That's how big a star David Archuleta is <laughs> to the Mormons. So that's been his life. In June 2021, he comes out publicly as a member of the LGBTQ community. He, in that statement, says he's confused about his sexuality. You know, he's been attracted to men and women. He's considered that he might be asexual. He just wants to publicly acknowledge that he's a part of the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And that causes a bit of a stir among yeah. the Mormons. We learn that later in that same year, he meets with an apostle, we don't know who, about his future in the church. And David Archuleta frames this as like, I'm trying to find a way to stay in. I'm trying to find a way to fit here. And the apostle apparently said to him multiple times, we just need to find you a nice girl. Hmm. Which just gave me kind of chills just saying that out loud, like in a bad way. <laughs> For sure. We also learned that in 2021, before he'd made that statement about being a member of the LGBTQ community, he had been engaged to a woman, his third engagement to a woman. Hmm. He'd been out to dinner with her and had a panic attack just at the thought of getting married, being intimate, being close with this woman. He was just so freaked out by it. He had to like leave the restaurant. He said, don't contact me for a few weeks. So all of this is going on leading him to break off that engagement, come out as LGBTQ, and then an apostle is like, we just need to find you a nice girl. Can we unpack that statement a yeah, little please. bit and talk please. about why it's so horrifying? Number one, he's a gay man. 
mm-hmm. who like has expressly said he does not want to date a woman. Number two, we just need to find you a nice girl. Mm-hmm. So infantilizing yeah. women in general, I think, mm-hmm. sure. and just like, oh, a girl, like mm-hmm. gross. Yeah. Because at that point, um, he's 30. Yes. Yeah. He's 31, yes. right? Yes. He doesn't um, need a girl. No. Number three, that it's like all about him. Like the girl is this periphery. Like she will just be this accessory. And if we find the right one, she's going to, you know, mm-hmm. raise your status yeah. and let your light shine. Number four is this place's blame on these three other women that he was engaged to. They They were were not nice nice girls. girls. Yes. And it's just, if we find the nice enough one, these Mm -hmm. other three, you know, whatever. It's horrifying on so many levels. It's really true. Like you think about the other ways that the church does that with women and girls, right? How they're like, girls you if you dress immodestly you become pornography to the boys and men in your life right so it's up to you not to do that but it's also up to you to then be a device to save these gay men in the church by being nice enough good enough provocative enough like uh Mm -hmm. something enough Mm -hmm. that you can save them turn them what yeah. is it exactly really it's more like just put up with having a gay husband and i think mm. that might be why he uses the term girl because she needs to be young enough mm. to just have no idea what's really going on in the world no idea what to actually expect from a man from a marriage mm. or a husband and to just be happy with david archuleta he's a nice man he's a good member of the church mm-hmm. served a mission he's famous great she's a good young girl like yeah. let's go for it That's a really good point, Katie. So that's making me think of this guy on TikTok who I follow, who's amazing. He's at Coming of Abe on TikTok. Mm. And he's an ex-evangelical gay man who got married to a woman right out of college and cheated on her with a man, came out later, they got divorced, and now he's, you know, openly gay. But he talks really openly about what he did during that time period leading up to his marriage when he was like marrying this woman he did not want to be marrying and he knew it and cheating on her and like he's so honest in a way that's like really refreshing and you know like he's very a very sympathetic person to be telling these stories because I don't know you recognize like he's he was also being manipulated and misled and abused in the system he was in and that led to this horrifying series of events anyway he talks a lot about like them being so young and having so little experience as purity culture evangelicals in their early 20s that like he was able to kind of convince this woman who was his fiance that it was normal for them not to really be in close contact to not really be seeing each other all the time to not really be like openly communicating with each other and that's Mm -hmm. how he was able to like sneak a lot of things by her and I do think there's something to that and we've talked about this before in like the Manti Teo episode there's something about purity culture that really sets these young kids up to be naive and duped yeah totally unprepared for what like actual partnership and marriage looks like yeah yeah unfortunately yes 
<laughs> okay, so back to the David Archuleta timeline. So he's had this interview with an apostle in the fall of 2021. We need to find you a nice girl. November 1st, 2022, just recently, he announces in an interview with People Magazine that he's taken a step back from the Mormon church officially, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. And in um, that interview, we get a lot of the details about his failed engagements and this panic attack he had that led him to coming out initially. November 15th, the church releases a statement saying they support the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, I'm not saying these are directly related events, but the timing of them links them up in our minds, right? David Archuleta is taking a step away from the church because he's a gay man and the church does not have a place for him. 15 days later, the church is like, we respect gay marriage. I mean, sort of, right? I mean, literally in their statement, <laughs> They say the opposite. They say they don't. Right. The first line. Yeah, say I the first sentence, Matt. It. The doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged. Yeah. I also love that they don't say it. They're just like, oh, right. it's well known. We don't yeah. need to include it in this statement, but <laughs> right, it is. True. We're not going to repeat it again because we know it sounds pretty bad. But it is what it is. And you know what it is. And it yeah. is not changing. And it is not changing. However, gay people who've been married, sure, 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 fine. That's fine. Is basically all that the Respect for Marriage Act acknowledges, right? Like gay marriages should be honored across state lines. And then there's protections for religion. So like the church doesn't have to perform gay marriages right. if the Respect for Marriage Act passes. Right. I, and, you know, there were a lot of inflammatory headlines by like the New York Times and the Washington Post and everybody being like, the Mormon church shocks everyone by backing gay marriage, essentially. But no, yeah. that's not what they did at all. No. No. And all these progressive Mormons are sharing it and liking it as if yeah. it's a thing. It's smoke and, it's and like, mirrors. It's total smoke and mirrors. Like really all they're saying is that they're glad that the Respect for Marriage Act will um, protect uh, religious freedom, protect religious freedom, yeah. <laughs> uh, which means they get to continue to discriminate against gay people. Their bigotry is protected because they have religious freedom. Yeah. Congrats. But it all gets couched in a way that's confusing if all you're doing is reading headlines and you might think, wait, this is a big shift. I mean, I had friends who aren't Mormon sending me these headlines and being like, what? I'm shocked. This seems like a big mm -hmm. step forward. Obviously, this has been well unpacked by lots of ex-Mormon content creators and think pieces. Yeah. So we don't need to get too into the weeds with it. But I do think the timing is fascinating. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just I also three... think that people who aren't in like ex-Mormon, Mormon circles don't know that this is bullshit. Right. Like... Well, and, and things like this have happened before. Like I remember when they released mormonsandgays.com or yeah. whatever, or .org no or whatever exists. it was. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. And I remember this guy that I was working with who knew I was a Mormon and knew I was gay was like, oh, I heard about this. That sounds huge. And I'm like, no, again. And yeah. it was like, he thought they were coming out and saying like, oh no, like we support homosexuals and blah, 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 blah. And at that point, the talking point was that this is not a choice. Like homosexual identity is not a choice. Like some people are actually gay. And it's mm -hmm. like, whoa, 
thank you for acknowledging my existence in the year of our Lord 2012. You know, like the tiniest crumb of an acknowledgement after like decades and decades of abuse. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, November 18th, so three days after the church releases their statement, we get David Archuleta on Good Morning America giving more details about his choice to step away from the church. And that's when we get that bombshell that he met with an apostle. And it sounds like he met with church leaders multiple times. Yeah. But an apostle said, we need to find you a nice girl. And that's why I I compare him to Tom Cruise, because it's mm -hmm. like, it is not just anybody who's just meeting with apostles like why is right. he with apostles it's yes. clearly very important to the church that he stay within the fold yes mm-hmm. you know and they i i was not work. i was not offered a meeting with an apostle when <laughs> no. i decided to start dating men yeah we have not been invited to salt lake to discuss our podcast Mm-mm. so yet. <laughs> yet. yeah it's a big deal it's not the norm Mm-mm. Um, so that's the timeline. Where do we want to go from here? I mean, there's just so much to unpack mm-hmm. in his story. I think let's focus on, for a minute, mixed orientation marriage, because that's what this apostle is suggesting by yeah. saying we need to find you an ice girl, right? You're a gay man. You're a public figure in the church. We want you to stay in the fold. And the way to do that is for you to marry a woman. So let's define mixed orientation marriage. I mean, my understanding is, and Wikipedia (laughs) confirms, it's just a marriage where the partners do not have the same sexual orientation. So in theory, you know, a bisexual one and a straight man are in a mixed orientation marriage. But that's not, that doesn't have the same sort of implications as a straight woman and a gay man being in a mixed orientation marriage. Right. Which is generally how it's used. Right. So mixed orientation marriages, that can be a fairly neutral term, but we're talking about it in the super loaded, toxic, horrific, religion-fueled sense where there's this pressure for a gay person to eschew their gayness and marry someone of the opposite sex to maintain sort of the the ideals of the religion. So I was trying to find, like, is there information from the church about mixed orientation marriage? And I wasn't finding much. And I wasn't surprised not to be finding much. I don't think there's going to be a lot of, like, public statements made or public encouragement given. But I did find, I was looking at the Affirmation website. Affirmation is, like, a, a group that supports LGBTQ members of within Mormonism. Mm -hmm. members and former members and on the affirmation website they have an entry about mixed orientation marriage that links that to some resources it talks about how you know there was a talk by president hinckley in the 1980s telling them not to kind of prescribe straight marriage as a solution Mm-hmm. to homosexuality but to encourage it when homosexuality has been kind of overcome mm. so once a gay person can kind of move beyond the, their inclinations then yeah getting married in a straight marriage is ideal however we know in 2021 an apostle told david archuleta he needs to find a nice girl right so we know that the church and its leaders are encouraging mixed orientation marriage as a sort of solution 
yeah. when a gay person wants to stay in the church. We know from experience, right? Like we've seen this happen to people, to ourselves. Like we know yes. that this is real. Firsthand. Right. So so when I I got called into the bishop's office and um, someone told the bishop that I was dating a man. Mm -hmm. um, and so he called me into his office basically every week after that. Like the first conversation was terrible. The subsequent conversations, there was some like growth and some desire to learn. I remember talking about basically rejecting the term same sex attraction, which we can get into in a minute. But so the first conversation he had with me, he was like, oh, well, you know, the only way to the celestial kingdom is between marriage and between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And I said, how do you think it feels because at this point, like, I don't know, you you get a lot more courage when you, like, have I've less to lose. And it's sure. like, okay, you know, I'm already deciding between me and the church, even if I hadn't really realized it at that point, and I was going to pick me. Um, mm -hmm. But I was like, how do you think it feels to be in my position hearing that? And keep in mind, like, I was at this point in my 30s, having been gay my entire life, having been a member of the church my entire life, this was not some impulse that I felt because I was horny one day. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah. I had been dating for years at this point, dating men for years at this point. And so I was just like, what, what are you trying to do with that information? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I've already decided that's not a path for me. And I know very well the the doctrine of the church is well known yes yes it is mm -hmm. um and he's <laughs> and like well changing. you know yeah he's <laughs> like well you know i worked with a young man and who felt same sex attraction and he was able to get to a point where he could marry a woman and i remember saying i think you're not supposed to encourage that anymore mm, and yeah. he was like really and i was like yeah so like clearly the education maybe isn't getting distributed out. Um, mm, I don't know is. all of the details of that, obviously. Well, but and it it's hard me. to find that information. And so if it, regardless of what the church is saying, if the vibe in the church is when we encounter a gay member, we want to encourage them <laughs> to get married, then that's what you do. And that's yeah. what you know. Yeah. Yes. Right. And, you know, and maybe they're able to take it like, well, I'm not encouraging them to marry a specific person. I'm just letting them know that, that in order to fulfill the plan of salvation, they're going to need to marry a woman. That's yes. different, yep. you know? Yeah. And just for our listeners who don't know the intricacies of Mormon salvation, you know, we've talked a little bit about like how there are three degrees of glory in heaven. The highest degree of glory is the celestial kingdom. You have to be a member of the church to get there, but you also need to have been baptized, confirmed. You need to have received your endowment in the temple. You need to have, you know, done your other temple ordinances. But within the celestial kingdom, there are also degrees. And the highest degree of the celestial kingdom is only for members of the mormon church who have been married in the temple and if and you do not achieve that you cannot get there so if you are single gay straight whatever if you are single you cannot achieve that mm -hmm. and you will be i mean we what were we taught that you'll be like servants to right the people in the highest degree that is the best you can hope for yeah and the highest and degree you get a planet so they don't say well, that anymore not anymore <laughs> which okay then what's the Bummer. point downgrade what's the point? <laughs> um and 
and that there is a separation from your family. Like I remember mm-hmm. talking to people who were not familiar with Mormonism and being like, why is this such a big deal to your family? Mm-hmm. And I said, they literally believe, well, some of them, you know, certainly not all of them. They literally believe like when we die, we will be separated now. Yeah. And that like that rift is not repairable. Yeah. It's not all just like selfishness or like, oh, what will people think or no. um, all these things. Like there, there is a belief that I will not be able to live with them in the life to come. Right. Because I'm married and monogamous with someone that I love. Right. (laughs) And Mormons like live for the afterlife. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So it's all about just like white knuckling it through mortality so that you can receive the reward of eternity. And that reward is the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Mm -hmm. So like, if you don't get there, the, your whole life's purpose is to get there. Yeah. And there is incredible pressure to do so implicit Mm -hmm. and explicit Mm -hmm. like the church is about the family and Mm -hmm. like my personal observation like they do not know what to do with gay people single people Mm -mm. um you know anyone who doesn't fit into that traditional like family structure mold and they are talked about with pity Mm -hmm. you know oh you're a project whoever but all of that and and you know incredible pressure that I have certainly felt and acted upon, you know, in terms of, okay, let's explore what it would look like to marry a woman who mm-hmm. is in the know and who- And willingly I, chooses. Yes. And who yeah. I love and respect mm-hmm. and could build a beautiful life with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, John DeLynn published a study in 2015 John DeLynn is a sort of famous among Mormons and ex-Mormons, right? He was excommunicated from the Mormon church in part because of his podcast, Mormon Stories. I'm, If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely yeah. in touch with who John DeLynn is. But yeah. he published a study in 2015 about mixed orientation marriages among Mormons, showing extremely high rates of divorce, 69%, and increased rates of depression in yeah. a surprise to no one. Right? right. And obviously, like marriage is very individual, and we're not here to comment on actual people's marriages. But as a collective, mixed orientation marriage leads to divorce and depression. There have been some very public mixed orientation marriages among Mormons. Josh and Lolly Weed are two that I encountered in my own experience with like considering a mixed orientation marriage, as I talked about on a different episode. In 2012, they came out as a mixed orientation couple and were like, we're so happy. We have this great sex life. We're thriving. We have these kids we love. Our lives are so beautiful. Yeah. The gold standard of this is possible. Like, look at these righteous people who who care about each other. 2012. I mean, not that long ago that it was like, this is being you know, encouraged implicitly by their success, right? Like, look at these people, they've made it work. Other people can too. In 2018, they did get divorced and they Mm -hmm. were public and honest about that too. It turns out that there was a lot of pain in that marriage, as you might expect. Yeah. But I, again, like their timeline of coming out 
in favor of mixed orientation marriage lined up with my experience considering it. And it did kind of mess with me a little. I was like, I mean, I guess people make it work, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you love each other enough, if you want to be, if you want to receive the blessings of the gospel and the teaching within the churches, any righteous man and any righteous woman can have a successful marriage. Mm -hmm. And, And this goes back to Katie, what you said earlier in the episode and Elisa, you know, you've talked about, the frontal lobe formation, you know, not the prefrontal until, cortex. Yes, yes. Yeah. Until you're in your mid 20s and things like that. But this is like such a different decision to make having lived a fuller life mm-hmm. than if you are 21, you have never had sex before. Maybe you've never even kissed someone of mm-hmm. the same sex or same gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, your political identity isn't formed yet. Your, mm-hmm true beliefs about the world aren't really formed yet and like you know understanding what that means for you what that means for the other person what this means as an outward expression of like those beliefs and things like that and yeah it's it's just like it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah i do want to get back to matt what you were saying about how you don't like the term same-sex attraction. Yes. Let's dig into that. Tell us about why. So so I hate it. Um, Uh And I'm going to bring this back to David Archuleta as well. So same-sex attraction or same-gender attraction, I don't like. So like you'll hear these words in the church, and I think you it's not just the the Mormon church. I think in evangelical Christianity or any homophobic, anti-gay, anti-LGBT communities, so you'll hear things like same-sex attraction, um, you, you know, gay lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so number one, I hate the connotation. It is just like, oh, you know, it is it is absolutely an effort to devalue mm-hmm. homosexual relationships. Mm-hmm. But in addition, it talks about attraction. So like, mm-hmm. I don't talk about heterosexuals having heterosexual or, you know, opposite sex attraction. Right. Um, because that's stupid. And and so David Archuleta actually talked about this when he was being interviewed by Jennifer Hudson. And he talked about how homophobic people like to look at gays as being like completely sex obsessed. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I feel like that is how we are treated in religious communities like this. It is all about that act of sex yeah and it's like well if you can abstain from that act of sex then that's totally fine and that's why i hate it because like i could be impotent or i could like never have sex my entire life i would still want to be married to my husband Mm -hmm. i would still want to build a life with a man and live a life with that man because it is so much more than sex right and the sex is not unimportant i'm not Mm -hmm. like trying to say that either it is one of the most inherent conditions of any living thing Mm -hmm. is you know the the Sexuality. sexuality yes yeah um but it is like about emotion it is intimacy it is mm-hmm. trust it is love mm-hmm. like heterosexuals do not have a monopoly on love yeah. and i think that is an attempt to do that too it is if i can just completely sexualize them i can talk about that sin of sex same sex attraction just makes it all about the act of sexuality. When I think about the elements of my marriage and my relationship, it is one of literally hundreds. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're making me think about a good friend of mine at BYU who her brother was gay and was talking to a a bishop at BYU about it. And, you know, what do I do? I'm gay. How do I stay in the church, basically? And the bishop said, you need to stop looking at people as sexual objects. And he was like, well, that's I don't think I do that, you know? And the bishop was like, couldn't conceive of the possibility that this man was looking at people as people and and loved men. Um, it had to be like I'm looking at people as sexual objects and I'm sorting them into which objects I want to have sex with. Right. And like he's so overcome with sexual sexual like obsession. Right. Yeah. And that is just such a like you're saying, like such a devaluation of what like love is and attraction even is and what draws us to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I present a foil to that? Please. So I was dating a guy at BYU who was actively undergoing conversion therapy. Um, And not, you know, electroshock therapy or anything like that, yet still absolutely shocking. Mm. Um, Seeing a therapist on a weekly basis. And one of his homework assignments was to, as he was walking around campus, just in his day-to-day life, is looking at women and imagining himself having sex with them. Jesus. That was a part of the conversion. Um, And guess what? It didn't work. Yeah, so thinking of women purely as sexual objects. Which is it? Yeah. Yeah. Also, (laughs) what if that works? You know what I'm saying? Like, what does that mean for every relationship that person would have with a woman? And like, not that I think it would work, but yeah, what are you doing? What are you creating? They're trying to get them to just develop like a fetish, Mm -hmm. like a woman fetish, you know, not an actual just like attraction, but just a fetish. And again, more often than not, these are young kids being given this advice with no life experience, no romantic experience. What What do we expect them to do? These are trusted leaders who are ostensibly trying to help them reach their eternal potential. Like, is it any wonder that people get super fucked up for a long time? Well, and this is why the University of Georgia like when I was doing research for this, did a study, I think in 2018, of LGBT Mormons. And they said 70% met the criteria for PTSD. And it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, it's because of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And again, even if like, I didn't undergo what I would call conversion therapy, except any time sexuality was talked about in church ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of trauma. Speaking of trauma, one thing that I that comes up in David Archuleta's retelling of his experience is that he experienced suicidal ideation. And that's something I think needs to be like a, acknowledged and addressed in this conversation about mm-hmm. him as a Mormon public figure is, you know, he's being like really open about the fact that he was driven to this idea that it would be better not to exist than to exist as a gay man Mm -hmm. and that is fully because of the framework of belief that the church had given him yep so according to the cdc and i realize there's a lot of correlation without causation i am not trying to establish the two 
but I do sure. want to present some information. Please. Um, according to the CDC, Utah has the fifth highest suicide rate in the country. Um, Ellen didn't cite sources for this, but she, when she was talking about Love Loud with mm-hmm. um, the Imagine Dan Dragons Reynolds. dude, Dan Reynolds, said that suicide rates increased in Utah by 141% after the anti-gay policy Mm. that the church preached and then Mm. just like gay people in general are subject to a lot of mental health issues more than the general population the cdc released numbers that one in four lgbt teens and young people attempted suicide in Mm. the first half of 2021 and 46% considered it. So you Jeez. are taking a population who is already vulnerable to mental health issues because it's hard to be gay. It's hard to be a member of any marginalized population in the world at any point. And then you are just putting so much self-doubt mm-hmm. and self-hate into those heads that of course you have a consideration. You are told that there is this wonderful You know, you talked about the kingdoms of glory. There is this wonderful life waiting for you and it's forever and you're not going to be gay when you're there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you act upon your sexuality, even once down here, it's over for you. You You forfeit all of that. Yeah. That's one thing we want to acknowledge too is LDS teachings are that when you die and are resurrected, you will no longer be gay. Mm -hmm. These are like mortal urges that won't follow you into immortality, Mm -hmm. which is also a mind fuck, right? Because so much about Mormon doctrine is about the eternalness of our identities. Our gender, according to the proclamation on the family, is eternal. Our personalities are eternal. Our families are eternal, but not our sexuality. It sexuality is eternal if you're straight right not not my sexuality right like what do you do with that it doesn't even make sense it doesn't and so the cognitive dissonance of that along with the pressure of that and the stigma and the judgment of that my goodness what a horrible storm of trauma yeah meanwhile on earth you're being told that being gay is like being a murderer yeah you know that's that doesn't make any sense like the miracle of forgiveness it's better to be dead clean than alive unclean well and like and this is not meant to be like a trauma dump being a pretty serious podcast i remember vividly people that i love saying horrible things and i remember them as much as almost any memory that I have. Mm -hmm. And they would be mortified if Mm -hmm. I told them these things now, mortified and embarrassed. Homosexuals are sneaky. Like you have to watch out for that. Mm -hmm. Homosexuality is a path to child molestation and pedophilia. All child molesters have experimented with homosexuality. Um, Just, all of these things that, again, I remember from a very, very, very young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David Archuleta talks about that. He says, you know, in the church, they're comparing, this is a quote from him, they're comparing being gay to murdering someone. And you're like, I don't want to be an evil person. Mm-hmm. And you have this sense that this inherent part of you makes you evil. Mm-hmm. 
that is a big problem. Yeah. I think it gets at a larger problem in the church too, which is the problem of like love being a conditional thing that's like bestowed based on your worthiness to receive it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that stretches into like how families interact within Mormonism, how relationships, romantic relationships are formed. And obviously also how, someone in the margins like a gay member of the church views themselves in relation to the faith david archuleta again this is a quote from him he says for my own mental health i can't keep putting myself in a place where it's so conflicting where they say we love you so much but at the same time you must change who you are Mm -hmm. oh you can't then we're going to ignore this problem doesn't that just like rings about all kinds of things Mm -hmm. just ring true yeah your mormon upbringing Mm -hmm. like i love you but you have to be like this oh you can't then we're gonna pretend yeah Yeah. we're just gonna ignore it yeah i'm like i had a family member who when i told them i was getting married you know got sort of a lukewarm response and said are you disappointed and they said no i've come to terms with it and like that is like that's that's like getting somewhere that was progress for for that individual it's funny so i was in an lds church not too long ago and the woman was speaking about like loving her gay brother and accepting him and things like that as if it was the most radical thing in the world Mm. and it's like you're you're in a church at the pulpit love Mm -hmm. should not love in any form should not be presented as radical in this circumstance and and lots of my family was wonderful and you know i feel lucky to be a part of that family uh my in-laws as well but yeah but it's like sometimes the the best i can hope for is i've come to terms with it right and i've come to terms with you yeah it's so frustrating seeing within the like progressive members of the church is like this like they're doing something so incredibly brave by just being like okay with gay people mm-hmm. and like bare minimum like not actually even like knowing or loving or like truly accepting like it's they're just like i i tolerate gay people yes. and like want them to feel welcome in my church and it's like you're not doing anything dude yeah that's not the flex you think it is yeah and i feel like there are so many corollaries to that in like other things that progressive mormons celebrate in the church like in the most recent conference the first black woman ever gave a talk and uh it's 2022 that's not the flex you think it is or you know Oh, now in the temple, Eve gets to make covenants directly with God, not just with her husband. That's not the fucking flex you think it is. And standing up and saying like, well, David Archuleta is a nice boy. I'm still a fan of his. You know, I I can accept <laughs> his lifestyle. It's not the flex you think it is. It's really fucking gross. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's hard not to just want to take him by the shoulders and be like, are you for real? Like, mm-hmm. you know, listen yes. to like, yourself. Take a look at the world. And you see like the celebration of these small steps and then retrenchment and mm-hmm. people are always devastated. So like, I swear I follow like one 
like progressive Mormon on Twitter. And now that's my entire feed. (laughs) Um, But there's such devastation when the retrenchment happens. And I'm just like, if you were dating this guy, you know, (laughs) and you were my friend, I'd be like, oh, honey, you are in an abusive relationship. He does not love you. You need to leave. The writing is on the wall. And it's like, oh, you know, they were making so many steps and doing this and they released that statement and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it's this. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry you're so devastated, but, and it's not good for you. But at some point you are doing this to yourself. Yeah. This cycle of like celebration and devastation, like wake Mm -hmm. up. And I say that with compassion because I was a progressive Mormon for like a long time. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time being like, oh, maybe we're headed in a better direction. Maybe there's hope here. I can be a part of that. Yeah. Mm. And I was fooling myself and letting go of that false hope is such a load off, man. What a relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last words. David Archuleta. David Archuleta. Anything we want to talk about from his interview we haven't touched on? It felt very bizarre to me to be watching. It feels like we have no right to this information. Mm. Why is this poor man? Why does he feel the need to like share all this? It just feels like such an invasion of his privacy, like Mm -hmm. to know that he's like taking meetings with apostles. Like, why are these people privy to that stuff in his life? He just needs to be like left alone. Mm -hmm. I And I feel sorry for him. I feel like he's lived so much of his adult life, like clearly like not actually expressing himself and suppressing so much of what he is. And like, that's time that he'll never get back. And Mm -hmm. so like, he's trying to do these things, like making new music and like putting himself out there to try to like reestablish who he is. And it's just like, that is so fucking sad that he has to do that. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. so sorry that he, that all of this has happened to him. Just God bless him. I hope he- Yeah, please miss David Archuleta is the absolute- thesis of this episode yeah yes i will say too katie i hear what you're saying about like you feel sorry that he is getting kind of dragged into the church's desire to fix him and maintain their Mm -hmm. public image and keep him in the fold but Mm -hmm. i also think it is really powerful for him to sort of take control of his story Mm -hmm. and to talk about the sort of depths of sorrow that mormonism led him to because i think there are a lot of people who can relate to that Mm -hmm. and seeing someone who's been like such a public the a public face for the church Mm -hmm. to see yeah it's just it's unfair that like one person has to be that i know oh 100 percent. yeah it's so much to carry Yeah. yeah and he just still you know I really think that Mormons are like, he'll say, I obviously I don't have a quote, but like Mormons are great. Like the individual members of the, the people church are, are good. great. The people yeah. are good. It's the establishment that's bad. And it's just like, whew. yeah. And we've all said those kinds of things, but at some point the people need to be accountable too. Yeah. The people mm-hmm. in his life should be held accountable. They should That be apostle who and... said that should be held accountable. For sure. Let's name drop. Dave, if I have one thing to ask of you, I wish people would stop asking anything of you, but I would love to know who that apostle was personally. Yeah. 
I know. Same. My money's on Dallin H. Oaks. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I am a super fan of Police Bless This Podcast. So this is an honor for me. Aren't we all? Um, email us at pleasebestpod at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, episode ideas, anything and everything. Yeah. Follow us everywhere at Please Bless Pod, TikTok, Twitter, though Twitter is dying, RIP, yeah. Instagram, like and subscribe on YouTube, mm. and come back next time for more. Amen.